0: Hi everyone, welcome to Confluence. My name is Barbara Bold, and this is the first episode of my new show, Confluence, a show I'm creating to share my knowledge and expertise as an executive communication skills coach for non-native English speaking managers and entrepreneurs. While the format of this show is going to involve me interviewing guests. For this pilot episode, I've invited my good friend and expert interviewer, Kate Bryan, to interview me about my experience so it'll be more fun and conversational. First of all, let me introduce Kate. Kate Bryan is an Emmy-nominated producer, writer, and storyteller. She's the founder of One Girl Revolution and host of the One Girl Revolution podcast, a podcast I highly recommend that you subscribe to. One Girl Revolution is a multimedia platform to highlight the stories of everyday women and girls who are changing the world through their lives. One Girl Revolution's short documentary, The Girl Inside, was just nominated for an Emmy Award in Outstanding Achievement in Human Interest. I just watched it last week and it is amazing. Kate's background in public relations and media is what led her to start One Girl Revolution as a way to tell the stories of women that are so often ignored or marginalized. Kate and I met this year through a networking group called M3Linked. Kate, I'm going to let you take it from
1: here. Barbara, I am so excited to flip the script and get to interview you in this very special episode. So thank you for inviting me on your show. Before we get into all the other questions that I have for you, I want to start with a really big kind of overarching question. Who are you and what's your story? Well, I'm a girl
0: from Iowa to start with, um, and Midwestern girl who decided to expatriate herself in the middle of her life and move to Europe. And it was kind of a, a crazy thing. I was bored with a job. I'd been divorced for a few years. I, so I was free to go. And I wanted to shake myself up. So I, I get, took this vacation to Italy. I quit my job and took this vacation to Italy, actually. And of course, while I was there, I met a guy which frequently happens to women who are uh, of other cultures in Italy. Guy named Vincenzo, he picked me up in a museum. uh, And by the end of my trip, I had fallen in love with him and we were planning to explore making a life together. I came home, but then I went back a little less than a year later to live with Vincenzo, see if we could make a go of it. To keep this story short, the answer to that question was no. We could not make a go of it. It was not a successful trial. So then I had to decide what I was going to do. Was I going to go back home? Was I going to come back to the States or was I going to stay? And what kept me there was the fact that I had started studying Italian at a very good Italian school. And I was finding it fascinating to learn a language where I could speak it every day. So I decided to stay. After I had studied for six months, I had another inflection point in my story, do I now go back to the States? <laughs> because I didn't have a job. I, you know, I'd been living on savings for uh, more than six months. But again, I thought, you know, if I go back now, I'll never become fluent. I had a good basis in the grammar, but I wasn't fluent yet. So I decided that I wanted to stay. And that involved figuring out where to move from Perugia. It just so happened that I ended up in Milan. And that's another story how that happened. Uh, But I did end up in Milan. I found, uh, and I basically created a life for myself out of zero. I found a job. um, First day I went there, Uh, ended up meeting a, a British woman who needed a flatmate. And she, we started living together. I lived with her for three, the first three years I was in Milan. And I was basically in Milan for 11 years. It, I became very fluent in Italian in that amount of time, obviously. The other thing that happened in Milan that informs my what I do today is that I started teaching English. It was the thing I could do uh, in, that, in that moment. And I was very fortunate to get hired by a company, a British company, that taught me how to train. They used a training methodology in their English teaching. So it... A lot of the skills I have today, especially teaching presentation skills and international negotiation, which I taught for many years, I learned there. I learned those skills in that job in Milan. Uh, I'll just cut to the chase and say that I was in Europe for a total of 19 years. I ended up moving from Italy to Switzerland uh, after 11 years in Italy, Uh, primarily for a couple of teaching jobs, and I did a lot of academic teaching while I lived in Switzerland, including um, I was very privileged to work for the École Polytechnique Federale de Lausanne, which is the acronym is EPFL. And if any Europeans are watching the video, they'll recognize that acronym. It's a very prestigious technical university in uh, Switzerland. And I just had a ball teaching there. The students are super bright. I had wonderful, wonderful students and taught at that university for a total of 16 years. So that is a bit my story. Someone might ask, so how did you end up back in the US? Which is where I am now. And uh, interestingly, the catalyst was love. Uh, And uh, 10 years ago, I was home visiting my family and I ended up hooking up on LinkedIn through LinkedIn with a guy I went to high school with in Iowa, and we're still together after 10 years. So that actually, that relationship worked. But love is an amazing motivator, as I'm sure you know, and uh, it it took me there and it brought me back.
1: I remember when you told me that story, Barbara, about what brought you back to the U.S., because that was one of the first questions that I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, living in Europe, and you know, we both have lived in Europe for different amounts of time, like, what brought you back? Because there's always something. But I think what's really inspiring about your story, and I think it's so good for everybody to think about, is we don't have to die to have many lives. And sometimes it can be love can be a motivator or opportunity, and I love so many aspects of your story, how you just jumped, like you didn't necessarily have everything figured out. And I feel like that's just life. We don't have everything figured out and there's never a perfect time to move. There's never a perfect time to, to, to take a job change, to um, take an opportunity, but you just have been so open your entire journey to whatever was coming next. So I want to talk about, Barbara, I want to talk about what you're doing now. So if a a stranger met you on an elevator and asked you, what do you do? What would you say? I would say
0: that I coach people to communicate clearly and effectively. And I'm especially good at that with people whose mother tongue is not English, who have English as a second language. That's primarily because of all those years that I spent uh, teaching those uh, that population, but it's it's a passion of mine. I love to help these people gain confidence. And feel solid in their ability to get their ideas across and and get what they need and get what they want.
1: How did you how did you come to do that? Because I know when you're moving back and you're probably trying to figure out, okay, what what am I gonna do next? How did you end up deciding to start your own business and to do what you're doing now?
0: That's an interesting question, partially because I almost I had my own business also in Switzerland. So having my own business was something I just knew I was going to do because I tend not to work inside organizations. Uh, that's been a career pattern of mine over the years. But when I when I came back, I did intend to do more academic teaching because when I lived in Europe, I, I always had an academic teaching job. And then the consultancy was sort of on the side. Uh, I tried that here. I had a couple of university positions, but I learned a uh, pretty quickly and kind of the hard way that the U.S. academic environment is very different than the European academic environment. So it became clear to me pretty early that I wasn't going to have that academic anchor. So then the question became, how am I really going to make money? How am I going to make this pay? I had started in the early days of being back, which is 2013 was my first full year back in the U.S., Going after that intercultural communication space, intercultural competency, I thought, oh, the automotive automotive industry is so global, that'll be an easy sell. And in fact, I didn't find that to be a particularly easy sell. A lot of people kind of didn't really know what it was at that time. I think that's changing a bit now. So what I decided in about 2018 was that people understand presentation skills. They understand pitching for example. They know what a pitch is. They typically know when they need to be doing it. I wanted a product or service that was tangible, that people could get their head around, that wasn't like the smoke and mirrors of, of intercultural communication. Interestingly, in what I do now, I've brought that intercultural communication piece back. I'm, but it's in the context of presenting.
1: Well, I want to know what advice would you give to someone else who maybe went through a similar journey, or maybe they're in the midst of that right now. They're kind of at a crossroads where it's like, okay, what do I do now? do I move? Do I have a job change? Like, what do I start my own business? I think that can be really scary for a lot of people um, because it is risky. Right. Um, But what advice would you give to someone who maybe is in that in-between stage or at that crossroads?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. That was very much where I was before I took the trip to Italy. And I was probably around your age when I did that. I was in uh, my mid thirties and it was, I was terrified I was bored in my job. I really disliked it. I knew I needed to get out. But my gosh, what do you do? You think you need the next step clear in front of you before you take the leap or the step. But what I learned is that you have to leap first. You have to have the faith and courage and confidence in your own ability to land and just go for it.
1: So let's talk about your business now because I think that the listeners will want to hear more about who you're helping, different problems that people are facing. So who are you helping and then what kind of problems are they facing when you work with them?
0: Well, the kinds of people I'm helping are non-native English speaking professionals in companies. That's my target audience. I help other people as well. However, I have an ideal client right now who's so lovely. She's a Mexican woman who has lived in the States for 10 years and she's a purchasing professional. She's really good at purchasing. She has fantastic experience. And she went to her boss and said, I want a bigger role. And her boss said, you've got all of the qualifications. However, we need to work on your communication skills. And in fact, she herself was aware that people didn't always get her, that she wasn't always clear. She would get clarifying questions that would surprise her because she thought, I thought I said that. But someone, maybe an American or someone from another culture would say, would not have gotten her message. So luckily the talent management person in This woman's company knows me. He's a guy that I've known for several years. And he reached out to me and he said, we're not sure if it's an accent problem or, you know, but we, I thought of you, I thought you could help her. And I said, well, let's set up a call with her because if it's an accent issue, I can figure that out immediately. In the end, it's not an accent issue. She's very understandable in English. However, she, and this happens for a lot of non-native speakers of English, She's putting English words in Spanish sentence structure. So I've also been able to help her understand if I have to pitch something to upper management, it's problem, solution, transformation. This is the structure. In all of my teaching and coaching, my goal is for my student to be able to do this for themselves when they're done.
1: I think it's such an important tool, Barbara, because communication nowadays we know is so important, but everything in the world seems so divisive and people aren't listening to one another. And I I just have come to believe that I think a lot of times it's because we're not listening and or the person that we're listening to isn't communicating properly. So what you're doing is so powerful and important and needed in the world today. So I want to know, are you uh, working with where are you working with people? Like, is it a lot of international people? Is it people that are here from somewhere else? Like, what are the demographics of the people that you're working with and what are some of the biggest challenges that they're facing?
0: Well, I can work with people anywhere. That's one of the things that COVID taught me. I actually love the fact that uh, on Zoom or an alternative platform, I can work with someone almost anywhere in the world. I do tend to be most effective with European languages just because of my background. And right now I do have a client in Switzerland. Uh, my The client I was just speaking about is in the U.S. She's here in Michigan and works in the automotive industry. So I can actually work with both types of people. Uh, the challenge I face is getting these people to know I exist because oftentimes people who are employees are not hanging out on LinkedIn. Uh, You know, they're not the places where I'm doing my marketing. So that's a a challenge that I'm dealing with right now.
1: Yeah, like you said, I think that anyone could use your services because we all need to learn how to be better communicators. And, you know, even with our friends and our family, I think there are so many elements to um, what you're teaching and anybody could use that. And that's why I'm so excited about your podcast and everything you have going on. But before we get into that... I'd love to know, Barbara, on a personal level, what change are you trying to create in the world through your work, through your life, through everything that you're doing?
0: Well, the change I'm trying to create is for people to actually pay attention to communication, as you said, and and do it well so that we just are dealing with a higher level of clarity in the world. I, like you said, there's just so much in the media these days about lack of truth and lack of uh, clarity around messaging if we could all speak in a clear if impactful way things would change
1: it's so important for everyone to know how to tell their story too right so even just in our day-to-day lives it's so important for us to know how to communicate what's going on in our lives things that we've experienced you know that's why I love doing the podcast that I'm doing. That's why I'm so excited about the podcast that you have coming up. Because it's so important for us to encourage everyone to use their voices, to learn how to communicate properly, um, and really like everything that we're doing in our day to day lives. Like that's writing our life story, that's writing our legacy, and so communication is so important. But Barbara, I want to talk about your show. I'm so excited. I'm excited that this is the pilot episode, um, but I can't wait for everything that is to come with the show. What can listeners expect from your show?
0: Well, this is the pilot episode and it is a little bit of a work in progress yet. However, my intention is that one time in the month, one episode will be a teaching moment. So I will be doing some teaching in the context of confluence. The other um, virtual or virtual meeting will be me interviewing someone. And I'm bringing people so far, my list of people, I'm sure it will expand, involves people who have some type of intercultural story to tell. They might be a person in a company who struggled with communication and has had to work on it. Or it could be um, one woman I've already got on my list is a professor. And she taught in Europe for 10 years and really saw the struggles of her students. So people like that who can speak to this issue of communication, communication across cultures, how can we do it better? Uh, what kinds of things do we need to know to do it better? I'm sure my list of interviewees is going to expand massively once I get started. Because, But already people are, are coming to the fore and coming to mind. So it'll be a combination of sort of instructional content and then
1: this broader interview content. How did you come up with the name Confluence?
0: That was kind of an an intuitive thing. Uh, RJ, who you know, uh, is the gentleman who's producing the show. And he and I went back and forth. One of the early things we thought of was lost in translation, which I like, but it's overused. It was just used in too many contexts. But when I was really, and then I thought about something with intersection, because it, it is intersection of culture and language, but it's really where the two things flow together. And I thought about river, a river, two rivers coming together, and the confluence of these two rivers of language and culture. And uh, the name just popped into my head. It was like, confluence. I like it.
1: I think it's great. I think it's a great name. That's why I wanted to ask you. So for... People that are going to listen, which I'm really excited for them to listen, what are some examples? I know you gave a few examples of prospective guests, but who are some guests or types of guests that they can expect? And then what are some specific topics that you're hoping to cover?
0: Well, specific topics from the standpoint of teaching will be the, the little, little snippets of things that people can put into action. So I want this show to be a place where people come and listen and take something of value away the types of people I'm, I'm interviewing, for example, this first guest I'm planning to have in in December is a friend of mine who's a global leadership coach. So she works with people every day who need to communicate effectively. She's also a Brazilian woman who lived in Italy for 12 years and now lives in the U.S. So she has her own journey to tell. And I... I think that a lot of the people will have some type of an intercultural journey to to talk about there's also the one other type of person i think would would be interesting to interview and i do have a couple of on the of them on the list are Americans who have to work across borders
1: who do you hope listens to your show like what are some of the the types of people I guess not to put people in boxes but people the (laughs) types of people that you hope will listen to your show
0: I hope the people who will listen will be those non-native English speakers the people whose first language isn't English however they have to communicate in it every day and I hope they will listen in order to get to know that there's somebody out there who can help and to get tips to get you know bring to get some ideas about what they can do to shine get their ideas noticed and really get what they want in the workplace
1: i want to ask you barbara i thought that we would end this interview on on one question if you could leave everyone who's listening to this episode with one communications tip what Communications tip would you leave them with?
0: The tip I would leave people with is this idea of do everything you can to be clear. If it's cutting out words, if it's making sure your grammatical structure is correct, if it's having your thoughts clear in your mind, whatever it takes, because that is going to advance communication the most. So, as an ending to the first episode of Confluence, if you like the video, please subscribe to the show. The next episode should happen in the next few weeks, and I will be interviewing my friend, Andrea Fleischfresher, who is a global leadership coach. And we'll have a conversation about the types of challenges she sees with the people she coaches related to communication. Thank you so much for coming. Ci vediamo la prossima volta. We'll see you next time.